Okay, we're live. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. Boy, this is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I, you know, my family and I, we had a terrific time. Went out to Oklahoma, went to Bedlam to saw, see Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. And then we were out in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in the Smoky Mountains. Had a great time with family. So hope you had a great time with your family. I'm thankful to y'all for being part of the audience. And, um, you know, we're going to try something different today um, just because we got so much positive feedback during the election cycle about coverage of local candidates, local news, thinking maybe we just need to double down and and really get more into some of these hot headlines in the local news, maybe some news topics that aren't necessarily getting much coverage. And uh, this will provide a platform for us to kind of kick it around a bit. And of course, we give you the opportunity to participate in the live stream. So if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, you can type in your comments and questions, and um, we'll get into that during the community forum that we'll do at the conclusion of our headline section of the of the podcast. So how's that sound, right? Kind of a new format here. This is episode 300 of the John Riley Project, so I figure this is a great time to kind of get into some news headlines. But one just other kind of bit of housekeeping before we start. I'm going to have a guest next Tuesday, January, excuse me, December 6th. It'll be Ted Leitner. Uh, Ted Leitner, the Padres Hall of Fame play-by-play broadcaster. He's done play-by-play for the Chargers, for the Aztecs, a legend in San Diego news community, in the sports community. Ted Leitner will be joining me on the podcast on Tuesday, December 6th. That'll be at 7 o'clock, so mark your calendar. Really looking forward to it. Okay, so... Um, let's get into it. You know, let's let's have a little bit of fun. Let's talk a little bit about some news topics, some news headlines. And uh, all right, I got a couple of things here prepared here on the live stream. And and we got the ticker going on the live stream. We're going to have some fun. So the first topic is, you know, Dateline Rancho Penasquitos. Big controversy there going on with the with the Merge 56 project. Now, this is down, you know, right off the 56 freeway, the Del Sur exit. And, you know, they've been planning a lot of housing. I mean, frankly, for the last 20 years, there's been a lot of housing going in along the 56 freeway. Well, a lot of controversy because plans are changing. So this is the roads crossing development. It's 147 acres. They're adding now a 511 unit six-story building. They're putting it on top of the vernal pools that are near Park Village Elementary, and it's going to be on top of this large man-made mesa. Um, and, you know, this was an area that was originally going to have 52 single-family homes. Um, now it's going to be 511 housing units. The people there are really angry in Rancho Penasquitos. Um, you know, they're proposing a five-story biotech buildings in this complex and a five-story hotel hotel. They're, they're actually reducing the retail footprint in the area. Originally, it was going to be part of this community retail commercial environment. Now it's more going to be a retail environment that sort of serves the business community that's going to be there in the biotech buildings. Um, something. I mean, this is interesting to- story here because we see this happen a lot. We've talked a lot about this in my hometown of Poway, where a lot of 
housing developments have been proposed. They've gotten approvals and then they get into it and then the plans change and people feel really you know, been out of shape about this. I mean, they've been calling this one at the Merge 56 a bait and switch. Um, so to me, this is just a really interesting topic. Um, the PQ planning board, the Rancho Penasquitos planning board is going to be meeting on January 4th to discuss these changes. But really, the PQ planning board is a kind of doesn't really have much power. I mean, they're just going to be able to offer some advice to the city of San Diego. But what do you think about this? I mean, let me me know your thoughts and comments in the live stream on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get into that in the community forum at the end of the podcast episode. But, um, you know, it's it's this classic debate, right? I mean, we've got a huge need for more housing. We've got a housing crisis. There's not enough housing units. There's not enough supply to meet the demand. That's part of the reason why housing is so expensive. But on the other hand, people buy into these communities expecting a lot of open space. Maybe they've been promised one thing and they're getting another. You know, so there's a lot of people that are bent out of shape. And we often find this, too, in a lot of communities that people kind of want to freeze time sometimes. You know, they just kind of want to keep things the way they were when they bought in. But you know, the world is changing. The world is evolving. So what are your thoughts and comments on this Merge 56 situation? Do you think this is just going to be another thing where they're just going to make changes to the plans and build more housing units, more condos, more apartments, more biotech facilities, more highly dense building? You know, is this going to be a small urban area in the Rancho Penasquitos area? I mean, you see that in a lot of other metropolitan areas where there's multiple high-density zones. I mean, you see that in L.A. You see that in a lot of big cities. Well, we see that in San Diego. I mean, we already kind of have that in University Town Center. We obviously have that in downtown San Diego. Will we start to see this now up here in North County? Um, I think it's entirely possible. The world's changing, and there's a lot of housing developments that are being proposed. This is a recurring theme. Now, one of our live stream listeners, one of the fans of the podcast, Mike Devine, you know, I was telling him a little bit about what we were planning on talking about with this Merge 56 thing, and he wrote to me on Facebook, and he says, back in 1990, we lived in a condo on Morena Boulevard in Claremont and had our first child. We wanted to move to the suburbs for the schools. We put a deposit on a house on Dormouse Drive in Penasquitos, right next to where they were building Park Village Elementary School. At that time, there was no Highway 56. Park Village dead-ended by the school, and the huge high power lines over the area had just been recently undergrounded. That area today, 32 years later, is just below the southern point of Rhodes Crossing and the southern extension of of Camino del Sur ends there. We ended up buying in Sabre Springs in 1992, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I remember... Before the 56 freeway was built, there was a dirt road. And, you know, I'm living in Poway. You want to go to the beach. You know, you don't want to have to go down Mira Mesa Boulevard or Miramar. I mean, that was just a grind. And the other alternative was to go the 78. And that's like way out of the way to get to Oceanside Carlsbad or go through. What is that? Uh, What's the name of the street? The road that goes along Lake Hodges into Rancho Santa Fe could take that road. 
but that's kind of a windy mess. So we used to take that dirt road and we would go kind of like up by Black Mountain Road and you kind of go into these off streets and there was a cul-de-sac and they had a little driveway on the cul-de-sac. Maybe you've been on this road and it dropped into a dirt road and you would go down this crazy area and it was, you know, it was all rutted out, especially after it was a rain, it would be muddy and everything. And then you'd eventually pop out in Carmel Valley, right by the old Evergreen Nursery, which I think is Moon Valley Nursery now, isn't it? So I remember those days. Those were, those were kind of fun. But a lot of changes going on in Rancho Penasquito. So, you know, let me know what your thoughts are on that. And, uh, okay, we're, we're already getting comments in on the live stream. I'm going to save them till the end in the community forum segment. Okay, next topic that we want to talk about is here, Dateline Poway. Okay, the Amazon Fresh grocery store just been announced that they're not going to open. It's going to be closed indefinitely. Now, this is, we did a whole podcast episode about this, this automated grocery store where you walk in, you get a cart, and the cart will scan your items as you put them in the basket. The cart would have like a, like a LED display panel that would keep a tally of your running total. And then you wouldn't have to go through a checkout register. You just walk out and it would charge to your Amazon account. And it sounds kind of fun, kind of interesting. I was really fired up for this. And before it was announced to be an Amazon Fresh location, you know, this has got the intersection of um, Palmerado and Camino del Norte Twin Peaks in Poway, right near the Target. They were building it. And before it was announced to be an Amazon Fresh, we saw them putting in all this infrastructure, kind of uh, pouring concrete and doing all kinds of things within the inside of this gutted old Atlas marketplace. I think it used to be an Albertsons at one point. Um, and they made a huge investment in this. And we kept waiting. And I think it was supposed to open in August of 2022. And then we heard it was going to be right after the new year. Now, not open at all. Indefinitely closed. What's going on? I mean, I'm speculating that Amazon still is trying to figure out how to do this, you know, quote unquote, just walk out um, kind of uh, policy because, you know, in today's world, you know, when theft is an issue, you know, they're probably trying to work through these things. Um, my expectation is they're going to eventually come around on this. I mean, after all, Amazon signed a long-term lease at that facility it has to be at least 10 years. So here we are in Poway. We've got all these unfinished projects that get stalled, get delayed, like the outpost. And now this at Amazon Fresh. So um, let's hope that that one kicks in at some point. But here's the announcement from the city of Poway from their Facebook page. Here in the city of Poway, we were just as eager as the rest of you to find out when Amazon Fresh at Twin Peaks Plaza will open. Almost eight months ago, we signed off on a certificate of occupancy for the much-anticipated Just Walk Out grocery store, signaling completion of any work that required involvement of the city of Poway. Curious for answers, we were able to connect with a corporate representative and found out that the opening of Amazon Fresh has been delayed indefinitely, although that's the extent of what the information he had to share at the time. We'll continue to keep in touch and share an updated timeline as soon as possible. Wow. So uh, let's see what happens there. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm very interested in this particular project. So we'll, this will be a recurring story for us down the road. Okay. Uh, next topic, Dateline 
Escondido. Lake Hodges Dam is crumbling. Oh, my God. Um, the dam was built. Remember, the Lake Hodges Dam was built in 1918, and it's showing more cracks. You know, they've been working on it now for the past couple of years, and it's showing cracks. And now what they're having to do is to lower the water. They're going to lower the water in the, in the, um, in the lake, I think, two feet down. They're going to release 250 million gallons of water out of this, and it's going to send it on down um, the San Dieguito River Park. Um, this is something. I mean, it's interesting, too. When we're in a midst of a drought, now they're going to release 250 million gallons of water. Hopefully, it goes to good use. I don't know necessarily what's downstream on the San Dieguito River. Um, but apparently— the city of San Diego, so this is a San Diego property, they're, they're potentially going to have to empty the whole reservoir. I mean, that's being discussed and they want to avoid that, um, that happening. So I think what they're doing is lowering the water so they can repair the dam that was built over 100 years ago. So and interestingly, there's been talk of building another dam downstream um, on the San Diego River. I mean, Maybe they'll build a dam downstream and then they can blow up the one that was built in 1918. You know, they, they've done a lot of upgrades to dams in San Diego. Like, have you ever been by San Vicente Reservoir? They've extended that dam. It's a lot higher. And that reservoir holds way more water. Um, so it'd be nice to see they do that in Lake, at Lake Hodges. You know, just as an aside, you know, we're in a water crisis, a drought going into our fourth year of a drought. But San Diego County generally does pretty well with water because there's the dams have been upgraded, although there's a lot of infrastructure work that still needs to be done on the dams, like Lake Hodges. But we've also got the Pure Water Initiative that, you know, people call it toilet to tap. But the end result is it's cleaner than the water that we're normally getting from Northern California or from the Colorado River. Um, and then, of course, there's the desalinization plan in Carlsbad. So San Diego got to give the leaders here credit on water. They're They're ahead of the game. There's a lot more we can be doing with water, but it's good to see that they're making progress. Okay, what's next? You know, I've got like, you can see on my ticker that's scrolling by on the live stream, about 14 topics, and I kind of want to crank through them, and then we'll get to the, the community forum at the end of the segment. Dateline San Clemente, the trains along the bluff, they, they now have halted freight trains along that coastal route from San Diego up into Los Angeles. You know, they, apparently in the in September they stopped passenger trains. But what's crazy is is that bluff is moving; it's sliding, and it's moved 28 inches since September of 2021. And they're able to measure it; they can see it moving fractions of an inch a day. Um, so it's crazy. So they suspended the passenger trains in September. Now they've suspended freight trains along that route. Now. You know, there's this whole you know railway strike that's being debated in Washington D.C. But what's interesting in that storyline is that you hear about how much of an impact our railway has on our whole supply chain situation, and apparently that that railway that goes between San Diego, L.A., all the way up to San Luis Obispo, a billion dollars of goods move up and down that line every year. So a pretty critical piece of infrastructure. I mean, obviously, a lot of this is being challenged by climate change issues, right? I mean, the, the ocean water is coming. It's bat bashing up against those cliffs, and it's chipping it away and eroding at, um, those cliffs. And we're seeing that in Del Mar, too. It's amazing that that train line is right there along the coast highway. I mean, 
it's a beautiful stretch. But what are they thinking when they built it? It should be inland. Um, so hopefully the powers that be will kind of get it, find a new way to do that railway line because, you know, they might be able to fix it and kind of patch it up um, to get it to work for the next couple of years. But, you know, five, 10 years down the road, we're going to still have more of this climate change problem, more erosion of the cliffs, and this railway line is going to continue to be in jeopardy. Okay. Dateline, Oceanside, Oceanside. Um, there's a group, this, get this, they're, they're, they want to create in Oceanside. And you know, Oceanside's got the part, you know, of course, right near the ocean. But if you go inland, it drops into a valley out there. And if you go back in there, there, there there's an old movie theater. And they want to transform that movie theater into an artificial, what do they call it? An artificial surfing lagoon. And they want to surround that um, with, uh, what was it? It was a shop, a big box shopping. Oh, no, wait a second. They want to surround it with 700 homes um, and a hotel around this kind of artificial surfing lagoon with artificial waves. And this is kind of crazy. Now, on one level, this was originally going to be a big box store, kind of a parking lot, and they did an environmental impact for that, and it passed but now they've kind of switched gears and, you know, of course, all this demand for housing. So they want to put in 700 homes there and the locals are angry. The locals are, are upset. The locals are saying, wait a minute, different environmental thing. They want to block it. When we see this, we talk about it in Poway, talk about it in Penasquitos. We're going to talk about it a little bit of in La Mesa in a moment where homeowners, existing residents don't want more construction in their community. Um, because of the traffic and the impact on schools and infrastructure and everything else. So they're throwing up the environmental impact rationale as their mechanism to try to block this. Um, so it's being debated. Now, what's crazy is, is that, okay, of course, the business community in Oceanside really wants this because you get, you know, what was it, 700 homes, you're going to have a couple of thousand people move in. That's good for local business, good for restaurants, all good stuff. But on the other hand, when this name of your city is Oceanside, why in the hell would you have an artificial surfing lagoon like four or five miles inland? To me, this is ridiculous. Um, I get why they want to have housing and hotel and they want to transform that environment. And apparently the surfers are all excited about this. I don't know if that's propaganda. I don't know what that is, but it's something. Um, so that is currently... You know, they're, they're getting group petitions to try to stop it. So that's a crazy story in Oceanside. Okay. Dateline Carlsbad. All right. Let's go to Carlsbad. This is a crazy one. A man walked into a lagoon to avoid the police. <laughs> this is just a great story. Uh, this is like news of the weird in San Diego County. So this guy was in Carlsbad and he was out on a vacant lot. And he started like getting belligerent with some local folks or yelling at some landscapers or something and making a ruckus, making a scene. They called the cops. They asked for his ID and they took the ID, I guess, back to the car, um, you know, to check the ID. And he kind of snuck out the back, you know, or snuck off to the side and went into the lagoon in Carlsbad and swam away. And the police went and chased this guy down. They got cops in paddle boards out in the lagoon. They got helicopters over the lagoon trying to get this guy. They finally caught him. 
turns out that there was a felony warrant of a, for arrest for this guy a, for apparently making um, terrorist threats in Orange County. So this guy knew he was toast if he was going to get picked up. But a man walked in a lagoon to avoid the police in Carlsbad. Okay, got more comments are coming in on the live stream. We're going to get to that in the community forum at the end of the podcast. So feel free if you have thoughts, comments about any of these stories or just have some questions or thoughts on anything else, um, type them in in Facebook or on YouTube, and we'll show your question, read it on the air. It's like a, like a free speech forum, a community forum. We'll have some fun. Okay, Dateline San Diego. San Diego, Dateline. Airbnb is in the news again. And, you know, we get this all the time. There's all this controversy about Airbnb. You know, homeowners like to rent their homes out. They can make some good money doing it. But sometimes people move in, a lot more people, a lot more cars, sometimes parties, noise, nonsense. Locals get upset. So there's been all this talk about trying to regulate that. Well, here's the deal. In San Diego, um, they are now going to create a lottery. And to get you, and you have to get in the lottery to have an opportunity to qualify to rent your house out as an Airbnb um, place. And so this this um, lottery apparently on December first is uh, the final day to apply for this lottery. So it's just right around the corner. It's tomorrow, um, and they're going to give out sixty five hundred licenses. And if you're selected from this lottery, you could be one of those 6,500 to be able to do short-term vacation rentals. Now, it's interesting how, how they did this because if the hosts who plan to rent their home out for stays of more than 20 days out of the year must apply for this short-term residential occupancy permit or license. Um, and... By de- December 16th, they're going to find out if they were selected. But one, they, they, this is how they figured it out. They said, okay, San Diego has um, 50, what was it? F- am I doing my math right here? 540,000 units, housing units. So they're get, letting them, uh, 1% of them qualify for Airbnb, 5,400. They're making an exception for Mission Beach. They're allowing 30% of those. And then that's it. And so if you don't qualify in this lottery, you can't rent out your home as an Airbnb. You can't be an Airbnb host. To me, this is crazy. This is nuts. Um, I love Airbnb. I'm like a huge fan of it. Um, Whenever I travel, especially when I'm traveling by myself, I like to use Airbnb. I love how the hosts decorate their places, how they try to make it special to have kind of a cool vibe. I love the fact that Local property owners are monetizing their property. It's kind of a small business, kind of an entrepreneurial thing for local folks. Um, I just think it's a great thing. And there's so many different kinds of unique Airbnbs all around the world. So it's always so fun to go and look for new opportunities, places to stay in all kinds of locations around the world. And it's a shame to me that it's turning this because if people are renting out their home, well, the renting out the home part isn't the problem. The problem is if there is noise ordinances that are violated or there's, you know, kind of ruckus or chaos in the community. That's what should be managed. 
homeowners that are renting out Airbnb and are good actors and are screening for good people, they shouldn't be the ones that are being penalized by this. But they are. Um, so it's uh, it's a shame to see this. It really is. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of Airbnb and really not happy about that one. Okay, let's keep cruising around the county. Another one, Dateline San Diego. This one just broke a few hours ago. Nine sailors suffered minor injuries fighting a fire on the USS Abraham Lincoln as it was cruising off the coast. Now, I was on the USS Abraham Lincoln a couple of weeks ago. You know, that was the aircraft carrier that had the college basketball game, Gonzaga against Michigan State. And I went there with some friends and boy, we had a great time. I mean, what a venue, what a spectacular place to watch a college basketball game. And it was a great game. Gonzaga pulled it out at the very end. Um, really a special moment, a special opportunity to get in. I mean, I was telling, you know, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, who, by the way, I co-host a, a sports podcast with Hacksaw every Thursday at three. And I uh, was telling him I was going to the the game on the aircraft carrier. And he's like, what do you mean? You're getting another game. Uh, you got I, guys with press credentials can't even get on that. And it was true. I mean, you had to be somehow connected with the military. Um, and it was mostly military VIPs that were there. But one of my friends is on the board of directors for the San Diego Space and Air Museum. And he got some tickets and he invited me as his guest. I mean, wow, what a stroke of luck. So we were that apparently this is a nuclear powered aircraft carrier. It was out in the water. They put the fire out quickly, but wow. I mean, it's kind of crazy. That's in the news. And I was just on that just a few days ago or a few weeks ago. Okay, let's hopscotch around again. Dateline La Mesa, La Mesa, California. What's going on here? See, this, again, we're going to development. And this is, People in these cities are upset about development. Citizens are demanding more advance notice for new developments. The the La Mesa City Council has rejected a proposal to change how residents are notified about new development, despite frustrated neighbors recently saying they hadn't known about a proposed apartment downtown until it was too late to object. So, you know, this is the whole deal where the city is approving construction and the neighbors feel like they need to be notified. I know here in Poway, they've got a deal where if you live, I don't know what the rule is. Is it a 500-yard radius or something like that? Every one of them has got to be mailed a letter to notify them of this particular development. Well, apparently La Mesa doesn't have such a thing. Um, And so some people are really tweaked about this. But one of the council members, who his name's Colin Parent. And by the way, I follow Colin Parent on Twitter. And I like Colin Parent. Um, He is a pro-development, pro-housing Democrat, which is kind of interesting. But he's, he's, he's a clever guy. He's got a good presence on Twitter. But he said, we want to make it easier for people to make investments in our city. You don't add new requirements, new costs, new delays. Yeah, right on. That makes sense to me. But um, apparently there is a process that if they're going to have a construction project, local residents can appeal But according to one of the other council members, Laura Lothian, people just weren't aware. And so therefore, people didn't didn't appeal, didn't protest. So um, kind of a crazy thing going on in La Mesa. But again, it's this consistent thing we're seeing all throughout the county in Poway, in Oceanside, in Rancho Penasquitos, in La Mesa, new development going in, local residents upset for varying reasons. 
that are not happy with the new development that are going in. Um, and and I'm, those are just four locations in the county. There's a lot more going on. Now, one other interesting angle to the story in La Mesa is they said that, you know, there's a lot less local newspapers. I mean, that used to be how people got their news was in their local paper. But a lot of those have folded. Local newspapers have consolidated with the big boys. And so unless people are reading newspapers, they're more online. Um, so difficult to get the word out. But, you know, that's kind of the angle what we're doing right now with this San Diego County headlines and comments. There's a lack of local news coverage. And and when I was doing a lot of my coverage of local candidates here in the city of Poway for mayor and city council, as well as for Poway Unified School Board, boy, the ratings on my podcast channel really went, were great. I mean, compared to my other podcast episodes. So and it's because people, I think, are legitimately hungry for good quality local content. Um, And there's less and less good quality local content that's available. So, again, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this kind of new format. I'm going to try it for a while. I'm going to experiment. Of course, I'm interested in your feedback and thoughts on what you think about this. But just trying to have headlines some quick hit bullet points, maybe a little bit of commentary, and then bounce through it. Now, today we're doing 14, and that might be a little bit too much, but you let me know. Okay, next stop, hopscotching around the county, Dateline, El Cajon. This is crazy. This is like the guy in Carlsbad that swam away from the police in the lagoon, but it's worse. A man was taken to the hospital after lighting himself on fire while on a roof in El Cajon. Holy moly. This man, he also stabbed himself in the torso several times with a screwdriver and had hit himself on the head with a hammer. Unbelievable. And apparently this guy survived and he's in the hospital. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy. This is sad. I mean, it's crazy that this such a thing would happen, but it's sad. I mean, these are people that I mean, this guy wanted to die. It was obvious. He clearly wanted to die. I wish more people valued their own life and how precious it is. I mean, that's why, you know, I talk about this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it starts with life and about valuing your life and valuing the lives of others. Um, And when you see people that sort of lose hope or lack purpose in their lives, it's sad and it's disappointing. Um, People are struggling, you know, in the economy. People are struggling with the, the, the after effects of the pandemic and all the distortions in the economy or people are just generally struggling on a lot of issues in life. Um, wouldn't be surprised if this particular individual had an addiction problem or suffer from depression. I mean, there's a lot of serious crap going down. It's sad. But on the other hand, what, what a crazy story this is. So, I mean, I had to highlight it. And we're going around. I'm, I'm looking at all the different cities, figuring, okay, what's the latest hot issue in each of these cities in San Diego County? I get to El Cajon, there's a man on fire on his roof. So I had to cover that. Okay, I've uh, got a couple more. I'm just going to cover just real quick a few national topics. Um, you know, this is mostly local, but there's a few th- short national things I want to comment on. Dateline, New York. Rest in peace, Christine McVie um, from Fleetwood Mac. You know, she was the piano player, um, one of the two female singers in the band. Um, She passed away at the age of 79. Um, And there's already conspiracy theories of what she passed away from because it's not being disclosed. Um, But at any rate, what a spectacular 
banned, Fleetwood back. Um, I remember rumors came out. I think I was probably in the sixth grade, maybe the seventh grade when that came out. And man, that was just all over the radio. And the songs today from that album are still timeless. So many great Fleetwood Mac hits um, through the years. And Christine McVie was, I mean, people pay attention to, to Stevie Nicks, but Christine McVie is legit. I mean, she was a big part of that band, uh, a tremendous singer-songwriter, one of the you know, the, the lead people on many of the biggest hits of the band were, were Christine McVie's songs. And she passed away. Um, incredible. Now, just kind of a, to make it local, to kind of put a San Diego spin on it, a friend of mine is in a Fleetwood Mac tribute band. They're called Fleetwood Max, M-A-X. And uh, my friend, her name is Annie, and she plays actually the Christine McVie character in the Fleetwood Max band. And if you're a big Fleetwood Mac fan, I'd encourage you to look them up. They play all over the county, a lot of times outdoors and some of the wineries and some really nice venues. Um, so check them out. If, you want, if you're a big Fleetwood Mac fan, check out Fleetwood Max here in San Diego. Okay, Dateline, Washington, D.C. Um, this is breaking news that just went down like in the last couple of days. The Respect for Marriage Act passed in the Senate. So this was to protect same-sex marriage and interracial marriage. And it's it's interesting. It's it's kind of nuanced because you because you hear all these of course rumors and threats about the Supreme Court. They're gonna you know they've already you know overturned Roe v. Wade. Are they gonna overturn interracial marriage? Are they gonna overturn gay marriage? There's been a lot of people legitimately worried about that. Well, this kind of protects it. You know, for Roe v. Wade, I know the Democrats are talking about, um, what do they say, codifying a woman's right to choose, essentially making it legal in all 50 states. They didn't do that here. They didn't make gay marriage legal in all 50 states. But what they did say is, is that if you are a couple that was married as a gay couple or as an interracial couple in a state where it's legal, and then you happen to move or are or, or in a state where it's not legal, they still have to respect your marriage from a rights perspective, from a legal perspective. So you can't be discriminated against. Now, that's good. In my opinion, it doesn't go far enough. Um, you know, some people say, well, state rights and they should be able to decide, you know, in my opinion, I mean, why is government in the business of marriage in the first place? I mean, marriage is um, – Marriage is, how should I say, it's a religious ceremony. Um, should a government be involved with civil unions? You know, essentially the contractual part of marriage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because a marriage is about joining assets and there's, um, you know, there's all kinds of legitimate laws that are around marriage as it pertains to child custody and divorce issues and a lot of other things, taxation issues. Government plays a rightful role in a civil union, but should have no business in the world of religion, um, marriage from a religious perspective. And, you know, sometimes they say marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, in the traditional sense, when marriage is thought of in a religious framework, yeah, that's what that is. But, you know, this is the 21st century. So the good news is, is that people that have that are married— in a gay marriage or in a 
interracial marriage, their rights will be protected, their legal rights will be protected if they happen to be in another state. But I don't think it goes far enough. Pete Neal and I were talking about that this morning. Um, so uh, pretty interesting event there. Okay, and then finally, I tell you, this is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? I mean, that's the thing with gay marriage, man. They should be able to have the liberty to get married, man. They should be able to pursue their happiness and be with the one they love. <laughs> I mean, right? So, but this is, this is our last one. And this is also life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Dateline Qatar. Qatar, where they're hosting the World Cup. And yesterday, the United States defeated Iran. And liberty is rising. Now, I'm not going to talk about the sports angle to this. We're going to cover that in my podcast tomorrow with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We live stream at 3 o'clock on Thursdays. Look up Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. But here in the John Riley Project, I just want to just say I think this is great because that game, America won one to nothing. It was a thriller. I was on the edge of my seat. But the backstory to this, the the kind of the setting, the 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 um there's so much drama around it because of what's happening. Well, first of all, the relationship between America and Iran going back to the hostage crisis in 1979 or even going back further with the United States CIA helping set up the Shah of Iran in the early 50s. There's been a lot of geopolitical tension between the two nations. But right now, there is huge protests in Iran where women are fighting back. They're fighting for their rights to be free. Because in Iran, you know, they have to wear certain facial coverings. There's a lot of rules that limit their rights. They, women do not have their, an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in Iran. Now, you can make an argument that in America, those rights are being chipped away, not just for women, but for people in general. But in a, if you want to have a sense of proportion, obviously, America is far more free and has far greater rights for women, even considering Roe v. Wade being repealed. Um, but it's just it's incredible what's happening there. And so when you see America defeating Iran, to me, that symbolizes freedom defeating oppression. And boy, that just felt good. I mean, it felt really good. Now, there's a couple of interesting sub stories to this whole thing. Um, the U.S. Soccer Federation, when they were promoting the game, and usually when they promote the game, they'll show one team against another, but they usually show their flags. Well, when they showed the Iran flag, the Iranian flag, it is red, white, and green, but in the center, there is an Islamic symbol um, that's over the white stripe in the flag. And the U.S. Soccer Federation people, I don't know where this decision was made, but they erased the Islamic symbol. And so when they presented the flag, Iran versus the United States of America, they intentionally altered the flag of Iran. They intentionally subtracted the religious part of the Iranian flag. And I mean, that was, that was great. I mean, I, I, it takes tremendous courage and bravery to see the United States Soccer Federation do that. Now, I don't know who was behind it. The players and the coaches, they got, you know, hit up in these press conferences and they were, you know, they were, they were getting, you know, raked over the coals about this, especially from Middle Eastern reporters. But of course, the, the coaches and the players they had nothing to do with this. I mean, they're worried about training and 
strategically preparing for the game. So I don't know if this was like some social media guy that did this or if this came from up above. But I'll tell you what, I loved it. I think it was fantastic. Now, the the Iranian government was furious about it, which I totally understand. I get it. Um, but they were trying to get the United States kicked out of the World Cup because of this. Um, now, obviously, it didn't come to that. Um, but what's interesting is, is even in the World Cup, when in the game one, when Iran, I think, didn't Iran beat England in game one? I think they did. Um, now it looks like our video is kind of cut out here. So what's going on? Uh, hopefully, I'll come back here in a second. So when Iran played in game one against England and it was time to sing the national anthem, they instead didn't sing it at all. So it seemed like the Iranian soccer team was supportive of rights for women. But in game two, when they did the national anthem, the Iranian players were kind of mumbling it. They were singing it maybe because they were forced to sing it, but not certainly not with any gusto. So, it's tricky, you know, and then you were looking in the stands and you see a lot of women that were clearly fans of the Iranian team, but they weren't in face coverings. They were they they looked like they were as free as the men that were around them. And that was refreshing, too, even in Qatar, which has a lot of serious violations of human rights, in my opinion. So um, I was excited for America winning. I was excited for a nation of so-called freedom defeating a nation that's oppressive to women. But if you look at it in the greater context, this whole notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is catching on around the world. Right now in China, there's big protests where people are fighting back against the oppressive COVID lockdowns. People are locked in their buildings. They can't leave their homes. There are quarantine camps being set up. There's like a zero tolerance COVID policy where people literally are are being locked down. And now we're seeing brave people in China that are pushing back. And they're not just pushing back as it relates to COVID. Now they're calling for President Xi to be um, removed from office. Now they're calling for the communist regime to be kicked out of their, you know, of essentially of the leadership of the nation of China. So there's a lot of really interesting things that are going on as it pertains to this. Um, people fighting for their own inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I love to see it. Okay. That concludes the hot headlines, San Diego County, plus a couple of other ones. I do want to get to the live stream comments. We've got a bunch here. So let's see what is what people have to say. If you've got any more thoughts or comments on these topics in and around San Diego County, type them in on Facebook or on YouTube, or you've got some questions or you just got some wise crack thing you want to say, type it in and we'll get you involved in the community forum. Okay. So where are we here? And let's go here to the comment section and uh, from brave sailor. And this was one of the first comments, and I think this is related to the Merge 56 in Rancho Pena Skidos. Brave Sailor said, it's a great thing. We need more housing. And it's true. We do need more housing. It's, but it's kind of an, you know, I, I know NIMBYs hate being called NIMBYs, but they are NIMBYs. They don't want more construction in their community. I mean, here, even in my city of Poway, there, there's a lot of development going on in Poway. Oh my God, it's everywhere. 
there are three projects along along Poway Road. There's the one up in Stone Ridge, the farm in Poway. There's a number of other ones on Twin Peaks Road and off of Palmerado Road. And then, of course, this Merge 56 in Panisquitos is a big project. And, oh, my God, don't even talk about the, the Doubletree development. There's three major developments along the eastern edge of the 15 freeway in Rancho Panisquitos in between Ted Williams Parkway and Camino del Norte. There's just so much construction going on. It's unbelievable. And people are angry. They're frustrated. They don't like change. They're worried about traffic. They're worried about, you know, there's going to be too many people. It's going to be, it's unplanned. It's a mess. And some of those objections are legit. But yeah, I mean, there we have a serious housing problem. The NIMBYs say, well, we... It's not that we're NIMBYs. It's not that we don't want it in our backyard. We just want it to be handled differently. But I'll tell you what. I mean, if you go look here in my city of Poway, if people were honest, they would probably prefer that there was no construction at all on Poway Road. They would probably, in some cases, there are some people that would have definitely preferred to have no redevelopment of the Stone Ridge Country Club. They just don't want it. They don't want any change. Change is hard. Change is difficult. We need more housing. I agree with you, Brave Sailor. Uh, Pete Neal on the live stream says, what's the location again? I'm trying to find it on Google Maps. So I think we're talking about uh, Merge 56 and the roads crossing. Roads, R-H-O-A? Is it like R-H-O-D-E-S? Is that like a road scholar? Um, or do, yeah, I think that's how you spell it for road scholar. Well, at any rate, we're talking about, Pete, we're talking about the intersection of Highway 56 and Camino del Sur. And most of the development is south of the 56 freeway. That's where all this is going down. And if you've driven along the 56, you can see a lot of the development now. I mean, there's all the lumber is being put up. These houses are going vertical. But they've got more plans. And they've, like we talked about, in that story, they've built this man-made mesa that they're then going to build six-story apartment buildings on top of. It's similar to the Amazon building that was built in the Poway Business Park, where that is up on top of a man-made mesa. So in this case, these will be six-story buildings that are going to appear to be eight, 10, 15 stories. I don't know how high the mesa is. Um, Probably, if they're six-story buildings, they're probably going to be like eight-story to the eye. People are angry about it. People are upset. But, you know, this particular area was approved for housing in 2008, and it was only going to be 52 single-family dwelling units. Now they want to change it to 511 units. A six-story building on the Vernal Pool on top of a man-made mesa towering over Park Village Elementary School. So there's another, you know, geo point for you on Google Maps, Pete. Park Village Elementary School. Um. Yeah, people are upset. People are angry about it. Let's keep going down the the community forum here. Brave Sailor says, we need it in Poway. Um, That's a good, that's a kind of an interesting angle to that. Let's break that down. We need it in Poway. It, I assume, is housing. Um, It, I think we need housing in general. I think the whole state of California needs more housing. San Diego County needs more housing. Now, what do we need it in Poway? 
Um, if you ask a realtor, they'll definitely tell you yes, because there's so much demand for people that want to move here. Because Poway is such a wonderful community, has good schools, a great place to raise a family, has a lot of open space and trails, even when all these uh, construction projects are done. Still a lot of open space and trails. For many people, Poway is an ideal community. Gosh, I remember in the 1990s, um, I was working out in Vista, and a lot of my coworkers lived in Vista, San Marcos, and they asked me, where do you live? I said, I live in Poway. And they go, oh, Poway. That's so nice. It's nice in Poway. And it is. It is nice here. There's a lot of people that want to live in Poway, but they can't because there's so little inventory. That's what the realtors have been saying for that forever. It's you know, people that are going into the real estate business are having a tough time because it's so damn hard to get a listing because there's so few houses available to be sold. Um, that's why housing prices have gone bananas. There's been bidding wars on houses. And even now with interest rates going up, the housing market's cooled, but it's not like the home prices are plummeting. You know, they're just kind of leveling off a bit, maybe some, some modest declines. Um, so the, the issue is, do we need it in Poway? You know, there's, there's people that say that there are, there are housing mandates that are coming from Sacramento. Some people say there are, some people say they're not. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that what, what's right. Well, Yuri Bolin's on the live stream, and he, he knows. He says, Governor Newsom at it again. And Yuri, former uh, candidate for Poway mayor, you talked a lot about that in your campaign, about the housing mandates that are coming from Sacramento. And I do know, I can say this, that politicians in Sacramento are finally wising up and approving development, making it easier to allow businesses and develop, you know, construction companies to build, relaxing some of the regulations and zoning to make it easier to build. I mean, there's already, I don't know if did this pass or not about allowing property, you know, lots, parcels in single family home neighborhoods can now be transformed into multi-unit dwellings, like two and two plexes and four unit apartments. I think that's that's the law now, isn't it? A lot of changes going on because the state understands they've got a problem. I mean, because the housing crisis, not only is it hard for people to get a house that they can afford or just to get a house in an area where they want to live, but that's one of many elements that's contributing to the homelessness crisis. It's also um, a challenge for businesses. So businesses might need to have workers, and ideally the workers are nearby. But it's trouble getting them on board because if they happen to be working in an area where housing prices are so damn expensive, it's difficult. There's a legit housing crisis. Um, they, we do need more of it. Um, we can debate if we need it more in Poway. But in the end, I think property owners, if they've got land and they want to transform it, more power to them. I mean, it's a financial opportunity for sure. Um, I'm generally supportive of the development in Poway. I'm not supportive of some of the shenanigans and back deals that we saw in the election cycle of developers that are supporting candidates and that whole, you know, cronyism. I don't like any of that nonsense. But generally, I like modernization. I like solving the housing crisis. I like upgrading and refurbishing areas that need a facelift. And I like supporting property rights. 
um, moving along here on the live stream. And again, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Just type them in on Facebook or on YouTube. And by the way, if you like this episode, give it a thumbs up. Um, give it a like. That helps in the algorithm. Um, you know, kind of gets our show a little bit more visibility in the outside community. Mike Devine says, climate change is not the cause of the Del Mar train cliffs crumbling. It's what happens along the ocean. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean I think I think we're both right. Um water along the ocean crashing up against the bluffs erodes the cliffs, right? I think that's true. But that's all part of climate. Right? And if there if we're having more storms and more erosion that's going along the coast, I think some of you might be able to point to climate change potentially. So in the end, the bluffs are such an unstable location. It's ridiculous that there's a train line along that route in the first place. It should be inland. What the hell were they thinking when they built it? Um, and now they're dealing with this, and it's a huge problem. I mean, I know there was a discussion of uh, trying to solve the uh, train crisis in Del Mar by having some kind of a tunnel that would have taken the railway inland in some areas. I don't know how they were planning on that. I think it's some idea they cooked up. Yeah, they got to figure out a way to solve this thing. Okay, moving on down the, the community forum. Pete Neal says, thank you, Christine McVie. You've allowed me to enjoy so many sunny summer afternoons and evenings fully relaxed by your voice. Yeah. Um, what songs did she do? Uh I should have made the list of the ones that she does because sometimes there are, there were all such brilliant singers in that band. Um, and the harmonies were spectacular in Fleetwood Mac between Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks and, um, Lindsay Buckingham, um, just an incredible group. But yeah, she was legit. I mean, you know, Stevie Nicks got the headlines cause she was, you know, the witchy woman, and she was kind of more of the sex star, or and that's not the right word. Um, she was more of the, how should I say, the, 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 the one that was promoted, you know, as the beautiful young woman. But Christine McVie, totally legit, tremendous musician, and rest in peace, Christine McVie. Um, Pete Neal on the live stream, number eight, I learned in boot camp that the Navy was afraid of two things. Fires and submarines couldn't see running the risk of getting burned, so I went to the boats. Remember, we just had that big fire on another one of the was it an aircraft carrier or was it a battleship? And that was a big controversy, wasn't it? Um, I think a guy got busted for arson. And yeah, if you're out at sea and man, your ship or your sub is on fire, I mean, where do you go? You have nowhere to go. Um, yeah, I, I can totally understand how that would be just really difficult. So uh, moving on down the line here, Brave Sailor chiming in and he says, housing. Yeah, so I, and that's what we're talking about. We need it in Poway. I think that's what he was talking about, housing. Um, and then here, DC52 says, I don't always agree with you, but I love you're doing this. Well, thank you. You know, um, I don't agree with everybody else. Some people agree with me. Some people don't. I share my thoughts and, you know, I try to do it in a civil way. I try to back up what I believe and why I believe it. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's cool. Thank you for the support. Um, I, I told you, I got a lot of really positive feedback this past election cycle. And really, when I've been, this is episode 300 of my podcast. I started it in the fall of 2018, talking with political candidates. And, and then we did a bit of it in 2020 with COVID, but it was difficult. And so we just did it again in 2022. And I mean, you look at my numbers, I mean, granted, I'm small potatoes as a podcast, but if you look at my numbers in YouTube, man, it went way up um, around the election season. And then right after November 8th, it just dropped like a rock. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So um, people have approached me and said, you need to do more of this. People have approached me and said, not only is there a lack of local news, there's just a lack of local talk about this. I mean, there used to be a lot more, like in the days of talk radio, there was a lot more coverage in San Diego news, San Diego politics. Um, People were talking about Roger Hedgecock and how he was on the air for so many years in San Diego. And then then he decided to go big time. um, And, you know, he wasn't as effective because he was really good when he covered local stories. Now, granted, he's the former mayor of San Diego, the former disgraced mayor of San Diego, but he had great insight in what was going on in the city. So, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this for a while. Um, I'm going to try to do these shows in the form of news updates and then have the community forum at the end where I can engage with the audience just like I am with you. And then we're going to still have sit-down interviews. You know, I got another seat right here. Ted Leitner is going to be here Tuesday night at 7. Oh, that's going to be great. Um, so we'll still have guests uh, Pete is trying to line me up with um, a really important guest from the Navy. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so we're still going to do that as well. But I think it's kind of fun to talk about some of the, the the news, the headlines. I can drop in some of my own thoughts and comments, and you guys can participate too. Uh, Brave Sailor says, number one, the idea to solve our housing needs in California, have the Fed state government use eminent domain to buy single-family housing from empty nesters and middle-aged childless couples and sell them to families. Ooh, that is draconian, my friend. Eminent domain, man, I think that should just be banned. <laughs> I think it's terrible. It's a terrible policy. Um, people have been forced out of their homes. Now, granted, I know they get paid. I know they're supposedly getting market rate for their homes. But come on. I mean, you, uh, that's, you, know, you know, the most tragic eminent domain case I can think of is in Chavez Ravine in Los Angeles when they built Dodger Stadium. And that, you know, it's up there on a bluff over downtown L.A. It was a, in a, a Latino, Hispanic community. And they all got kicked out of their homes. And the crazy story is, and this happened in the 50s when they preparing for building a Dodger Stadium, you know, when the Dodgers moved to L.A. from Brooklyn, they removed literally dragging old ladies out of their houses crying. Um, And then they built Dodger Stadium. And for the longest time, the Latino community in L.A. wanted nothing to do with the Dodgers, which is amazing because Latino folks generally like baseball. I mean, you know, we see a lot of that. Um, but it wasn't until Fernando Valenzuela came around in 1981, I think it was, um, when, and then that changed everything. But uh, yeah, eminent domain is something I think should be resisted. I mean, I, in my opinion, it should be banned entirely. I mean, kicking people out of their single family homes. I'm an empty nester. Um, now, granted, we have a large house. Our children have moved out. But uh, yeah, 
I, I, I appreciate your comment. I don't agree. Uh, number two, the, the empty nesters and middle-aged childless couples can easily move into quickly built condos. Yeah, we could. No doubt. Um, but the question is, is whose choice should that be? Um, should it be the choice of the individuals that have to move? Or should it be the choice of some bureaucrat in some government building that makes those decisions for us? I'm all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That doesn't sound consistent with that ideal. Um, DC 52 says, I disagree with you on the development issues, though. As a longtime renter, same place for 27 years, we have no rights. They refurbished a house on the corner and widened their driveway, took away three spots. Yeah, I mean, there are rights for renters. I mean, in California, renters probably have more rights than they do in almost any of the other states. But yeah, no doubt, property owners have tremendous rights over their own property, as they should. It's their property. But it is interesting how refurbishing a house on the corner and they widened their driveway. Well, they didn't widen their driveway into the property where your house is, did they? I mean, obviously, that wouldn't have happened. That's that's a breach of, of property rights. So were you originally parking on their property and now you can't anymore? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, there's parking is a big issue as it relates to all this housing, too. I mean, because as they're building more multifamily dwelling units, they're, they're starting to relax the parking requirements because it used to be that for every bedroom you needed like one parking spot or something like that. There's a ratio um, of of parking spots to bedrooms or parking spots to square footage. I don't remember what the, what it is. And so that has made construction of new of new apartment buildings more difficult, more expensive. They're starting to relax that, especially if they're near mass transit. Of course, mass transit in Poway is a disaster. I don't know. How's mass transit in Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Penasquitos? I know they've got that, that uh, transit hub that's right there. Um, what is this? Kind of like in the business park just west of the 15 freeway in Rancho Bernardo. But how many people use that? I don't even know. But at any rate, it's nice to see them relaxing that in some areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, renters, yeah, you're right. I mean, renters are going to always kind of be at the whim of the property owner because the landlord owns the property and you're renting it at, what did, how, what's this phrase they say, at, uh, at, at their pleasure, right? It's kind of like you're serving the president at their pleasure. So yeah, that is a challenge. I, I, I understand that. Uh, Pete Neal says, I found the Merge 56, three four-lane streets dead-ended, two to the north, one to the south. What did they expect? I, apparently, those roads were dead-ended, but now they're opening up. And people are really enjoying the fact that they've got greater access, more traffic flow. But that's coming with more development, which hasn't really hit yet. Um, it's either in construction now or it's on the books. So that's going to be coming. So that whole area is apparently... When you used to go down Park Village, and yeah, you go by Park Village Elementary, you go to the end. That was it. It was like a dead end. But uh, supposedly it's continuing back up to the 56. I think that's great. Uh, More thoroughfares. But of course, if you lived at the end of Park Village, you probably loved having very little traffic. Now traffic's going through your community. Change is hard. DC 52 says, and allowing an algorithm to raise rents hundreds of dollars every year for the same place needs to be addressed. Well, 
You know, that's a good question because I think there's an algorithm that limits the amount of rental rent increases that can be had from year to year. That's my understanding. And I don't know what the percentage is, but like, for example, you can't increase the rent 50% from one year to the next, or, you know, you, you just can't. That's against the law. There's a limit. I, what is it? Is it 2%, 5%, 10%? It's something like that. So the algorithm is the max that's set by the government. The, of course, the landlord could rent it for less. And they would rent it for less if it was a competitive marketplace and there were more vacant properties that were competitive that gave renters a lot more options. The renter would then be in a buyer's market or a renter's market. But right now, because there's so few rental properties available, it's a landlord market and then they can set a price and maximize the amount they can get. And, and frankly, they could probably get a lot more if that, if that limit wasn't there. Um, so again, all of this is just simple econ 101. It's supply and demand. There's not enough supply to meet the demand. Um, DC 52 says, I'm in PB in Pacific Beach. Oh, good for you. I lived in PB in the 80s when I was a student at UC San Diego. Lived out on Crown Point um, on Shasta Drive in the world's smallest house. And then I lived um, on Pacific, or was it Pacifica, uh, kind of right along the, f- the five freeway, kind of on the side of Mount Soledad. And that house burned down. Oh, my God. Um, PB, man, what a great place. If you're in your 20s, I mean, what a fun place to live. And even, you know, in your middle ages, what a neat community. But, yeah, parking is a bitch. Uh, parking is hard. Um, there's a certain amount of riffraff there. Um, but uh, there's some communities, some neighborhoods in Pacific Beach that are just gorgeous. They're just beautiful. Um, now, one of the challenges, and they're starting to overcome this, is there's a height limitation. You can't build buildings, I think, more than, what is it, 35 feet if you're within a couple of miles of the ocean. It's a California Coastal Commission law. But they have now, in the sports arena area, remember, they just had a, a city San Diego city measure that the voters voted on to allow construction of, of high rises around the sports arena. Imagine if they did that in Pacific beach. And I know they, they have some buildings that are taller along the coast in the Northern part of Pacific beach. I don't know how in the heck they got those approved. Um, there should be more of that in my opinion. Um, then there'd be a lot more housing opportunity along the, along the beach. Uh, DC 52 says, yeah, $650 when I moved in, in, uh, and it's $2,185 now. Yeah. When I lived on Crown Point on Shasta, I think our house was 600 a month and it was two bedrooms, one bath. Uh, the house was insane small. I mean, it had to be like 600 square feet. It was ridiculous how little it was. And, uh, and we had three guys living in there. And I think we did we pay like 175 if you shared a room and maybe 250 if if you had the single room. But those were the days. My bed back then was a mattress on top of milk crates. Um, I was living a college student life. Um, DC 52 goes on to say, but that's 10% every year. Yeah, that's a shit ton. 
I get it. I understand. It's hard. It's expensive. Um, and that's crushing. I mean, if you're at already at 2000 a month and next month it's 2200 and the month after that it's 24 and change and, and so on and so on. Yeah, that's hard. It is. I, I understand. I get it. Um, that's just the nature of the market right now. People are willing to pay it. Um, and landlords are able to get it because there's such high demand. And what does that do? It ends up squeezing people out. Now, granted, you know, San Diego is America's finest city, right? I mean, this is a great place to live. Um, I mean, it's funny. When we got back from our trip over the weekend, um, we were in the when we were in the Uber and the driver was driving with us. He says, there's no better place on earth than San Diego. He was such a fan of this area because of the weather and the and the um, recreational opportunities and the people and the lifestyle and the culture and everything else. And he's right. This is a great place to be. And a lot of people realize that. So that's why, I mean, there's such huge demand to be here. And now we're seeing a lot more economic opportunity. I mean, Apple just bought a big facility in Rancho Bernardo. Amazon has set up a big facility, I think, over in the um, the Torrey Pines Mesa there over by the golf course. Yeah. Uh, 10% a year increase is insane. But they can get it. Um, DC two says, DC 52 says, love it here. And I'm 50. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I love it here too, man. I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, but I get it. I understand. Uh, 10% increases is really, really hard, really hard. Are you getting a 10% increase in your wage from your employer? I hope so, but I'm guessing not. So that just puts the squeeze on everything else. And there's a lot of people in that situation. That's why, this housing crisis is one of many factors in homelessness because when when housing is unaffordable, then people have nowhere to go and they end up living in the car or living in the street. That's not good. Um, Brave Sailor goes on to say, the only Starbucks and OB is closing and residents are celebrating any comment. Yeah, because they the OB people, they don't like chains. Um, I, I think I remember when that Starbucks went in, and this is like 20 years ago, because there's, remember Jabba Joe's is down there. Jabba Joe's is where, um, the Rugburns played. And what was, what's the guy's name? Steve Poltz from the Rugburns. You ever seen him? He's tremendous. Great musician. Um, and then Jewel, which was his former girlfriend, used to play at Jabba Joe's. Yeah, yeah, what a great venue that is for music. I mean, OB, man, that's that's a unique culture all in and of itself. They don't want any chains there. They don't want Starbucks. They want Jabba Joe's. So I totally understand why they would be celebrating that Starbucks is leaving. And frankly, I'll bet you Starbucks is leaving because no one was going there. If people were going there, Starbucks would probably stay unless there was some lease expiration issue. DC 52 says, I think it's 7% plus COLA per year. That's, yeah, that's the algorithm. And gosh, COLA right now is crazy, right? What is the COLA number? With inflation right now, it's unbelievable. So it could be more than 10%. Uh, But yeah, that's the maximum. It's not the algorithm that the landlord decides to do. 
the landlord wants to get the market rate. They want to, the landlord wants to get the most they can and the, the, the renter wants to pay the least and they find a middle ground. And if there's a competitive marketplace where there's a lot of options for these renters and they see a, a landlord asking for too much money, the renter says, screw you and I'm going to go over here and get another place that's a better and cheaper. But when there aren't very many options, then those renters are in tough spots. And yeah, then they get squeezed by these high prices. So it's, it's a lack of supply. It's Econ 101. Pete Neal says, I, a house I knew was purchased 25 years ago for $100,000. They rented it out for about 1000 a month. It increased over the years, went up to 2000 I just sold for 900000 and the mortgage payment is now 6000 a month. Oh, it just sold. Excuse me. It just sold for 900000 and the mortgage payment is now $6,000 a month. Yeah. Um, real estate is a great business to be in. Because there's a limited supply. There's only so much. And there's always going to be demand for housing. Even when housing dips or crashes, it bounces back. And we were seeing that. I remember housing went down after the Great Recession, but not a lot. Now, granted, if you were in Phoenix or in Vegas, I mean, it really dropped. Because who wants to live in Phoenix or Vegas? But in San Diego, America's finest city where people want to live, yeah, it dipped. But we bounced back and yeah. So, so yeah, if you're a landlord, you're making money not only on the rent and the increase in rent, but you're also making money on the appreciation of the asset. It's a great business to be in if you can do it. Um, my aunt up in the Bay Area, her husband has about – eight rental properties up in Fremont, California. Um, and that's how he earns his living. Um, but, you know, that's that's a hell of a headache, too, because, you know, he's dealing with renters and getting people in and and uh, having to refurb the houses. I mean, it, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to be a landlord. There's a lot of headache to that. You know, people, the toilet breaks, something goes on. You got to fix that. Um, there's always something. And then renters... Leaving, there could be destruction to the property. A lot of problems with you know being a landlord. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting business. Um, DC fifty two said fixed income. Oh, dude, sorry to hear that. If you're on fixed income and your rent is going up at you know ten percent a year, at some point you can't keep doing that. The math don't work. So, uh, dude, I, I hear you. I feel you. Um, hopefully you can find a, another place, you know, that's more affordable, but you'd have to leave Pacific beach, which is like, you know, the land of milk and honey. Right. So, uh, that's a tough one, man. Tough one. Now the housing market should dip, you know, they're talking about that now. I mean, obviously interest rates are up. Mortgage prices are up. The, the ROI for landlords is getting squeezed. The ROI for investment property folks or even for corporate owners of rental property, that ROI is getting squeezed because the price of the mortgage is going up so much. So there could be some adjustment, but I'll tell you what, they're building a lot more units here in Poway. They're building a lot more units at Merge 56 and Rancho Penasquitos. They're building more units everywhere. 
but they're limited on how much they can build by the beach because there's a height limit. Because you can't go horizontal in Pacific Beach. You can only go vertical. Um, so, yeah, moving along. Matthew Brannigan on the live stream. Hey, I'm here. Mr. Johnny, come lately. I'll have to catch up later. Matthew, thank you. Matthew, you're, you're a longtime supporter of the podcast. I appreciate you. We just had Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for DC52. I'm thankful for Pete Neal. I'm thankful for Mike Devine and all the other folks that enjoy and follow my podcast. I appreciate that. Matthew Brannigan says, I understand Big Lots in Poway and Mira Mesa is closing. That's a surprise. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bummed out people that were disappointed to hear that. I don't know the circumstances behind that. I don't know if... Their business model is, um, you know, cracking. Um, I don't know if their lease expired and they simply got moved out. And we see cases like that where leases expire and the landlord seizes an opportunity to transform it into something else. Um, it's like one of my clients um, has um, had, past tense, a very large retail location on Convoy. Um, you know, they're in Kearney Mesa. And the lease ran out and the landlord decided not to renew it. So my client had to close the store and they were bummed about it. They didn't want to have to close it, but they did because the landlord is now going to transform that area into a whole bunch of condos and apartments because we're seeing that everywhere. So is that why Big Lots is closing? Are they going to put something else there in that property? Now, Big Lots is it's the one in Poway. Is that the one near North Park Produce? Or is that the 99 cent store? I think it's that's big lots. So yeah, they're not putting housing there. So I don't know the circumstances, but that's a bummer. No one likes to see some of these stores close, but you know, it's the nature of the market, man. And Amazon's sometimes providing better product at a lower price and they deliver to your doorstep. So um, moving along, Target, and this is from DC52, Target and OB is just so out of place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... OB is like the San Diego Hayden Ashbury, man. So they don't like those corporate stores there. I'm surprised that there is a target there, but where is it? It must be like near the edge of Point Loma, uh, not not down, you know, in the heart of OB, right? Um, how about Winston's? Winston's and OB, man, what a great venue that is. I enjoyed that. I used to play music in a band back in my... 30s and uh, played some gigs there at Winston's. What a fun place that was. Matthew Brannigan says, so annoyed that Amazon Fresh isn't opening anytime soon. I agree. I was really looking forward to that store opening because I just wanted to try out this new experience. It sounded cool, you know, that it was going to be this modern high-tech grocery store that would you get in your cart, you drop your food into the basket it would scan the barcode. It would you get your price updated on your LCD screen on your handlebars of your of your shopping cart. So you'd see your running total. You would see what products are being discounted. I think you could scan coupons at the same time. And then when you were done, you just walk out. You don't have to wait in line. Nothing. That just sounded really fun, really cool, really modern. It's like. Almost George Jetson-ish, right? Um, I was really fired up. I was really anxious to see what was going to happen with that store. Now, of course, my friend Mike Ryan, who's been a podcast guest here on the John Riley Project, works in the grocery industry, and he's not happy about that, right? Because, I mean, it takes away jobs, all this automation. So there's a lot of people that were upset about it. 
Plus, there's a lot of people that hate on Amazon, hate on Jeff Bezos, that wanted nothing to do with it. It's crazy how things get politicized. But um, yeah, I'm disappointed it's not opening. I predict it will open. I, my hunch is, is that they are working out the kinks in their just walk out policy. Because, you know, there's only been a few of those stores opened around America. And so they're kind of working the bugs out. But at the same time in California, there's some funky stuff going on, right, with with misdemeanors and, and how much you can steal and not get that in that bad of trouble. I think, isn't it, if you steal like less than $950, it's just a slap on the wrist. A lot of places, they're letting people walk out the door not even being challenged. So I'm sure that's factoring into this as well. So, but, you know, they've got sunk costs there. I mean, they got a lease. They've invested a shit ton of technology in there, you know, to build the store. But Amazon's got money to burn, so they can they can ride it out. So we'll see what happens. I am disappointed, too. Uh, DC52 says it's a raise on a raise on a raise, and there's no end to it. Yeah, with rental increases. But, you know, employees get raises on raises on raises, too. Um, that's the way the world works. Prices go up and up and up for labor and for housing and for a lot of things. Uh, but, dude, I, I get it, man. It's hard. I mean, I'm fortunate I have a mortgage, and the mortgage is a fixed-rate mortgage. So the price don't change. That's good. Um, but you know, when you're renting, you don't have that flexibility. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, Matt Brannigan says, Mr. Johnny come lately is a reference to me, not to you, by the way. Yeah, I knew it was you, Matthew. Uh, DC 52 says 27 years in this apartment and almost forgot that they up the, dis- up the despite a hundred dollars per year as well. Am I reading that wrong? Oh, up them. You meant the deposit. Okay. So um, they upped the, the deposit $100 per year as well. So how's that work? And when you are like midway into your lease and they say, oh, we increased the deposits, so you got to kick in another 100 bucks that they hold? They might. Because when you move out of the apartment, there's cleanup costs and a lot of other things and they want to cover that. But yeah, that sucks. That sucks to get a rental increase and then on top of it, a deposit increase. Um, DC 52 there with an icon that I can't read from my screen. I'm not sure what that is, Um, but thanks. This monitor is like a distance away from me. It's probably, well, this is arm's length, three feet. It's probably like seven to eight feet away from me, so I couldn't read it. Uh, Pete Neal says, I finally figured it out. The closed captioning on Facebook actually sometimes precedes the audio. So the discovery is the video audio on Facebook is delayed compared to YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> Pete, did, did the video cut out about half an hour ago? I think it did. What were you able to see? My screen went dark and I just saw like a spinning wheel. Um, but was the audio still going? Did the video still go or I just couldn't see it? I don't know. I'm, my computer is, is hardwired Ethernet and I have the maximum plan with Cox Cable for maximum uh, upload download speed. But even with that, sometimes there's traffic in my neighborhood, traffic more broadly in the city, and my speeds can throttle. And when it does that, I'll notice on my screen that um, it will toggle into like a slower mode. And I think that's why the video cut out. 
Matt Brannigan says, my hometown in Ealing in London has an Amazon Fresh. I feel bummed out that Poway doesn't yet. Oh, so you experienced it. So tell us about it, Matthew. What did you like about it? What did you like about Amazon Fresh? What did you dislike about it? Um, what was cool? What was unexpected? Let us know. I mean, we're all really curious. We're really curious what's going down with this. DC 52, every January is when he gets his rental increase. Dude, I, well, at least they're synchronized with the calendar. But man, that's tough, man. I, I hear you. That's tough. You know, my, um, my mother lives in an independent living facility and she was able to put down like kind of like a buyout to prevent um, rental increases. And, you know, in, in a home for seniors, you know, there, there's a certain mathematical game you can play there. You don't really see that in traditional rentals. Um, that would be cool if there was a way you could buy it out and then lock in the rate. That by me is an interesting idea to throw at your landlord. Like, for example, you could say, tell you what, man, I'll give you five grand now and then you can't raise my rate for seven years. Something like that. I wonder if he would go for that. That'd be kind of a fun negotiating tactic. You know, everything's negotiable. Um, the worst thing that can happen is they'd say no. Uh, Matt Brannigan says, I wonder how you feel about returning to the office from working from home. I work for Sony and Rancho Bernardo and have been working at the office for a month, um, but I'm lonely. Wait, you're lonely in the office because there's not very many people in the office? I don't know. I've been working from home for over 10 years. And sometimes it's the most amazing thing in the world. And I can be so productive and so creative and I can get a lot of work done. But other times it can be really difficult where you're kind of feeling down, maybe lonely or depressed and you lack that interaction. That's the beauty of these Zoom meetings. At least I'm getting a little bit of that. Um, I do go and visit my clients at their offices from time to time. And that's always exciting. Um, but yeah, the whole work life is just so different these days. And people are adjusting. There's some people that are just thriving working from home. For one of my clients, they have an employee who was not very productive because they had a lot of family stuff come up. There was always, oh, my mom, I have to take her to the doctor or my kid, I got to take him to school. And there was always like, like a lot of family issues that this particular worker was doing and was constantly asking for permission from her, her boss. And it was difficult. But then when COVID hit, she was able to work 100% from home. She is massively more productive now. And it's been a great win-win for everyone involved. But yeah, people are adjusting. Uh, Pete Neal says, yes, the audio dropped for about 20 seconds. Yeah, thanks for your patience on that. That was difficult. Um, Matt Brannigan says, do you think employers should force staff to return? Um, that's what Elon Musk was doing at Twitter, wasn't he? Uh, I, I, it just depends. I think it depends on what the leaders of the business want to accomplish. Um you know, it used to be that there was a lack of trust where management didn't trust. So when people were working from home, it was always sort of like in air quotes, working from home, like they really weren't working. But again, a lot of people 
have proven that they are, are tremendously more productive from their home. So should companies force their employees to return? I think some companies might do that because maybe they need more of the um, the collaboration more of that energy and innovation that you could only get by being in a common environment with others where you're sharing ideas and strategizing and being creative together. Yeah. You know, there might be some companies that are noticing that there's been a decline in productivity and want to bring people in. I think that they should do that for sure on a case by case basis. If they're noticing that with certain employees now, Musk drop the edict that he wants everyone to come in. I think part of that is because dude is losing like $4 million a day on Twitter and he has to find ways to cut expenses. So I think that's why he's doing. So the the bottom line to your question is, I think it just depends. Um, In some cases, I think that makes sense, but ultimately I think it should be sort of a case by case. And it's something that the employee and the employer can negotiate. Um, DC 52 says it was the thank you emoji. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I think it was, it was like the, the two hands together. Was it now that you're saying, I think that's what it was. Uh, Pete Neal says, but the closed captioning continued. So I was good. So words on the screen worked out great. Matt Brannigan says, my cousin loves Amazon fresh. It's unnerving. It feels more like you're shoplifting. Yeah. But I think that's their concern is that some people are shoplifting. And that's the, some of the bugs they've got to work out of the system. Um, makes me think of the, uh, the scene in Animal House where they were stuffing the steaks down their shirt um, when they were sneaking out of the grocery store. Um, DC52 says, SNL does the best skit about Amazon Fresh. Hilarious if you can find it. That'll be good. I should look that one up. Uh, we were just talking about Celebrity Jeopardy with Sean Connery yesterday with one of my clients. It was well, that's one of the best episodes of all time. And this is also, we get to return to the sweaty balls, with, but I don't know if we're going to see, um, what's his name? The guy that was in the sweaty balls with the two women. It was like a podcast, right? It was like a PBS episode. Um, blanking on his name. He was in the movie Rust and he accidentally killed one of his um, crew. Uh, at any rate, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll seek that one out. Amazon Fresh on Saturday Night Live. Matt Brannigan says, it was very popular in my hometown. Don't know why Amazon is holding back. Well, there's got to be some reason. And it has nothing to do with the city of Poway. Um, I don't know why. I mean, I'm, like I say, I'm speculating that they haven't worked out some of the bugs with Just Walk Out. And there might be some implications of how California is managing shoplifting these days that might be playing a role. Just a guess. DC 52 says, that's a great idea to negotiate something like that. I'd buy this place if I could. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Then there's some places to do rent to own, but usually those are a little scammy, but certainly, I mean, anything's negotiable, man. I mean, there ain't no rules that say you can't suggest ideas and who knows your landlord might be in kind of a pickle and they might need five grand in cash right now you know, bird in the hand, they might want the money now. And if you can contractually get them to freeze your uh, rent for seven years or something like that, boy, that could be great. You're kind of taking a gamble on the market. But in San Diego, especially in Pacific Beach, that could work. Matt Brandigan says, I live on my own. So I think I need the human interaction at the office. I'm disappointed that so few people have come back. 
Yeah, I think in the technology space, a lot of people are very comfortable being at home. But yeah, it's a tricky thing. Um, I just know that when I've worked in offices, you know, it's 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 all trade-offs. Uh, when I've worked in offices, I've had wonderful relationships with other coworkers, where again, c- collaborating, strategizing, but also the social aspect, making friends. I mean, heck, some people have met their spouses at work. Um, then it leads to, you know, some like after work activities where people get together. Got my first job out of college when we had a company softball team and we did stuff after work. It was a ton of fun. And you miss that when people are working from home. Um, you know, I think of my children, my, my daughter is, um, you know, she's working in, in the corporate world and she goes into the office one day a week. I'm sorry, one day a month. And she's in her mid-20s, and that's usually the golden time to be in an office and building your career and having all these relationships and, and growing your career, and you can't do it. So it's hard. Um, this is a time of transition. Uh, I will say this, though, that one of the silver linings from COVID was the fact that some companies allowed, or a lot of companies allowed, work from home. And it, it relieved some of the stress on the roads, although some of that stress is back. Matt Brandigan says the building in Rancho Bernardo is massive, but I see scores of empty cubicles. Um, do you work for Apple? Didn't Apple buy that giant building there? Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're probably betting on the future, too. They probably are betting that commercial real estate is going to become more expensive. And rather than leasing someone else's property, they'll just buy it. And even though they've got empty space now down the road, they'll be happy they have it. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Matt Brannigan says, how long will companies carry on paying for all that space? Well, uh, this is an interesting topic because on the surface, it sounds like the obvious thing, right? That companies would be moving out of facilities because so many people work from home especially if they have these fancy offices in downtown. But what's interesting is, is that they're building more office buildings in downtown San Diego. They're doubling down when you think the market is going the opposite direction. They're gambling on the future. But on on the other hand, it seems like a lot of this commercial real estate, a lot of it could be transformed into residential. I mean, imagine, I always thought the greatest idea was transforming a shopping mall like Westfield up in Escondido, transforming that into senior housing. And then you'd have your own little indoor city with restaurants and coffee shops, and you'd have your own exercise walkway. Wouldn't that be great? And you could build a lot around that parking area too. I think there's the potential for that. And I'm hoping people can rethink the way we approach real estate in this this high-tech telecommuting, high-speed internet world. I think this is a time of transition. But yeah, some companies will sit on that empty space, especially if they have the resources like Apple or like Amazon. Pete Neal says, the company I work for, a startup, has 12 people working in eight states and Puerto Rico. We get together on Zoom twice a week. Everyone sets their own hours except for the Zoom calls. Man, that's cool, right? Isn't that great? I mean, we couldn't do this 20 years ago. I mean, not only did the technology not exist, but there was no way a corporate culture would allow it because 
companies didn't trust their employees when they weren't right there. Um, but you realize that people take pride in the work they do. They have integrity. They have self-esteem. Some people, well, some people don't. Um, and there are some people that are doing shenanigans now. They're working from home, but they're not really working from home. But people get things done in different ways. Like, you know, people might have like a nine to five job. And now when they work from home, they're still putting in 40 hours a week, but it's just not nine to five. It's three hours here, two hours there, two hours, you know, before you go to bed. So it's cool. To me, this is a great thing about the, the, the technological advances is that we now have a lot more options. And for some people, working from home works. For other people, it doesn't work. And again, I think companies and individuals should t- consider it on a case-by-case. But it's all trade-offs. There is no utopia. Uh, Matt Brannigan says, I wonder how long before they realize it just isn't worth having large office buildings. Yes, some companies will come to that conclusion, but other companies will sit on it, especially if they own the property and it's just an investment for them. Some companies will sublet the space. For my business, um, I started literally in my garage. Um, It was a moonlighting business. And then I went full time with it literally in the garage. I built an office in my third part of my three car garage of our old house. And then when I hired someone, I had to move out. And so what I did is there was an office building in the Poway Business Park, the San Diego Employers Association, and they sublet office space and cubicles. It was like a like an Airbnb, but for businesses, it was like we work before we work. It was cool. It was like so mind-blowing that a company would do this. I think it's great. Maybe more companies are going to do that um, and, and sublet some of that empty space to other businesses. Wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> maybe maybe DC-52 will move in. I mean, maybe you can get a lower rent than he's paying in PB. Oh, so Matt Brannigan says, Sony. Yeah, right on. Okay, Sony. Uh, Matt says, I'm lucky I live close, but some of my colleagues live in Murrieta and Temecula and Ramona. Oh, my God. Price of gas now? See, that's why I have an electric vehicle. I don't have to pay for gas. But, man, if you were driving that distance, one of my clients, I have a bunch of customers that I work with. And one of my customers is in the Poway Business Park. And there was a worker there that commuted from Lake Elsinore all the way to Poway every day. And her previous job was in Irvine and she commuted. And I'm like, unbelievable. Some of the distances these people drive. Um, My wife has a coworker that just bought a home in the Temecula Murrieta area. And they either, I think they commute all the way down to like Mission Valley every day. Oh, it's just brutal. So again, that's where technology can really be helpful, right? And I, I'd imagine, Matt, that's why for some people in your office, they're working from home because who wants to drive like from Murrieta to RB or from Ramona to RB every damn day? Um, hopefully there's a flex. Some companies have those flex plans where so many days in the office, so many days remote, and they kind of work it out. <laughs> this is funny. I mean, we, we covered 14 issues here. And now we're talking about office space and commercial property, which wasn't one of the 14 news stories. But that's what's fun about the podcast. We can kind of cover a lot of ground. Mac Brannigan says, yeah, long commute. And I've worked for Sony since 2004, got relocated to San Diego in 2016. Very grateful. Oh, he corrected himself in 2006. 
Um, but he's been in the area for 16 years. So that's great. Um, welcome, Matthew. And uh, is that how you came to America? Because I know you were from England. Did you come here because of your career? And if so, I hope it's all worked out for you. Um, yeah, good on you. And uh, Mike Devine says, according to Marlene, the cashier at Poway Big Lots, the lease expired. Too high of a renewal. See, this is what's going It's the same thing that's going on in the residential market, right? People, the rent goes up and they say, screw you, and, and they move somewhere else. But in the case of big lots, they might be looking at the performance of that store and say, you know, it's not one of our better stores. Rent goes up a lot. Screw you. I'll just have one less store. Or I'll open a store, you know, in Nebraska or, you know, somewhere else where – I can maximize my opportunity. So businesses are making those decisions all the time. Um, That makes sense to me that their lease expired and they had to make a decision. Sometimes their leases expire and the landlord will not renew. Like I told you, my customer who had a retail uh, store on convoy, they wouldn't renew because their plan was to build condos and apartments. So there's all kinds of circumstances. And then, but, you know, residential folks don't know the circumstances behind why businesses move in, businesses move out. Here in Poway, it's funny, when businesses are moving in or moving out, they think, some people think, that Mayor Steve Voss and the city council are making all those decisions. (laughs) They don't realize that it's like private property. There's a property owner. There's usually a property management company that negotiates the deals. And the city government has very little to do with it at all. It's just the circumstances of the economy and what's going on in the market, what's going on in real estate. And so, um, yeah, just tremendous stuff. Okay, so, okay, we've got more comments. They're flowing in. I'll, I'll stick with you as long as you guys want to stick here. Uh, DC52 says, just because they can do it doesn't make it right. We don't have a housing crisis. We have a rent increase crisis. No, we, we do have a housing crisis. There's not enough housing units to meet the demand. And there's many implications to that housing deficit. It, it creates distortions in the market where your prices go up, like which what you're experiencing. It creates other distortions where businesses have trouble hiring people because they are in a community where rent and, and real estate prices are so damn expensive, their workers are not willing to commute or workers have to do crazy stuff like commuting from Murrieta or Lake Elsinore into Poway. So there's a housing crisis. That's, that's legit. And that's, like I said, one of many factors of why there's a homeless crisis because some people are getting squeezed out. Now, again, homeless is a very complex problem. Um, there is no silver bullet to that. But, yeah, rent prices are going up, man. I I get it. Um, that's the thing is, is, is that we all have inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, including landlords. So everyone can go out and pursue their best interest in life, as long as they're fair-minded and they trade freely with others. You know, as long as you're not being coercive or 
you know, threatening people to take out their kneecaps if they don't give you 10% off the till. You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if people are free actors in a market where people are working voluntarily, all pursuing their own self-interest, that's a good thing. Now, unfortunately, there are cases where the market is distorted and it creates these bubbles where prices are out of whack. It's the same thing is true right now if you want to buy a car. Prices of cars are nuts. I, I, I was considering buying a, or, or buying or leasing a new EV. But the, the one I was considering was they were asking $15,000 over MSRP. This was about nine months ago. No, actually, not even that. More like six months ago. Um, the, yeah, the auto market's all out of whack. All these distortions, mostly because of what happened in the housing crisis. I'm sorry, I'm sorry what happened in the pandemic? The economic shutdowns, the stay-at-home orders, the distortions. Uh, people were buying less cars. Chip makers shifted from making chips from cars to making chips for webcams and other consumer electronics and crazy podcasters like me. And the market hasn't resettled, rebalanced. And then meanwhile, in China, people are being locked in their homes. Um, I mean, I know Apple is having a serious problem getting product from their factories in China because the workers can't leave. They're in lockdown. That's why I'm so happy to see, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, the protests in Iran fighting for women's rights, the protests in China fighting for, for the rights, basic human rights of people there. I love seeing that. But at any rate, yeah. The, there, there are distortions in the market. In my opinion, most of those distortions are the result of government policy that have restricted the development of housing. Only now, only recently, have we started to see this flourishing of development. Um, only in the last like five to six years. Prior to that, development was like voodoo, taboo. It was like not something that people were able to, to, to suppress it. People were able to elect politicians that prevented it. Frankly, the city of Poway did that with Prop FF. They made large portions of the city off limits for higher density housing. And that's been a, a topic of great consternation for people that don't live in those areas. They happen to live along Poway Road. They're upset about it because they're the ones that have to deal with the higher density but the point is, is that there's, it's like a bubble and you squeeze one end of the bubble and the other part inflates and it creates all these distortions. And that's what's going on. And, and renters are going to be seeking their best interest and so are landlords. But the playing field is so tilted right now that the landlord is in the driver's seat. The landlord has, I mean, if, if, he, if, he took, if you decided to move out, my bet is the landlord would have a long list of people that would want to move into your place and, and probably at a higher price than what you're paying now. It's just the nature of the market. Um, Matt Brannigan says, I remember going to big lots all the time, but I think I've only been there about one or two times in the last couple of years. I guess I'm partly responsible. That's right. You're to blame, Matt. <laughs> um, I've been in a big lots a few times. It's cool. Um, yeah, it's right next to the North County Produce, which is – or North Park Produce, which is a great little restaurant on Poway Road. Uh, Mike Devine says, high restriction citizen initiative approved 
by 60 percent of the voters in 1972, restricts the height west of I-5 to 30 feet, withstood challenges and was finally put into effect in 1976. That now is – that's under fire now, right? Because around the sports arena, which is west of I-5, the voters have allowed that 30-foot limit to be removed. 30 feet is like three stories, right? Roughly. Um, And that's the thing, man. In San Diego, you can't go horizontal. I mean, you can by the sports arena, right? They're that big asphalt parking lot. Um, You can't go horizontal. You can only go vertical. And the only way we're going to get more housing units in San Diego is if we start going vertical. You know, what's interesting is um, a few months ago, my wife and I were on vacation and we were in Toronto. And we were uh, at the very top of the CN Tower. You ever been there? Or you ever heard of it? It's like the Space Needle in Seattle. When it was built in the, was it built, I think, in the 70s, maybe the 80s, it was the tallest man-made structure on Earth when it was built. It's since been surpassed by all kinds of other buildings, mostly in Asia and the Middle East, and maybe even here in America. But... uh, I mean, you get to the top of that thing. Oh, my God. It's huge. And so you get to we were able to see the sprawl of the Toronto metropolitan area. But what was striking to me was that you could see little areas where all of a sudden there's a cluster of of high rise apartments. And then they're surrounded by a sea of one or two story buildings and then. Five, six miles away, there's another cluster of high-rise apartments. And in San Diego, we haven't had much of that. I mean, in where have there been high-rise apartments? I mean, we're starting to see some of it around UTC. Of course, there's some of it in downtown San Diego, which makes sense. But there, there are the height limits along the coast. To me, that's one of the reasons why the market's distorted. By having the height limit, it restricts the supply, and that makes it easier for landlords to maximize their opportunity. And and I should have mentioned this, too. When I was talking about Airbnb earlier in the podcast, I meant to say this. Again, more distortions. Now they're they're making it harder to rent single-family property as vacation homes on Airbnb in San Diego. There's a a lottery you got to go into, and and only if you win the lottery can you rent your house out. For Airbnb, it's a distortion in the market. Follow the money. Who benefits? Corporate hotels do. If 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 single family homeowners can't rent out their home or rent out parts of their home because they didn't get in the lottery, then that just redirects a lot of that tourist traffic to the hotels. Now the neighbors in that in that neighborhood might be happy to hear that, but that's distortions in the market. And most likely, those hoteliers are the ones that are funding the politicians that make the laws or enforce the laws. It's kind of always how it works. you got to follow the money. But yeah, the market is heavily distorted. I was very, very happy when voters in San Diego eliminated the height limit around sports arena. In my opinion, they should eliminate it in Pacific Beach, too. Imagine if they did that in Ocean Beach. 
you know, we talked about Ocean Beach losing the Starbucks. The people on Ocean Beach would go bananas if if they allowed high-rise apartments there. Um, DC52 says, yes, it is a housing crisis, to be clear, but it's way out of balance. It's killing what we used to call a community, and you're correct that it's putting people on the street. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. It's way out of balance. The landlords have far too great power right now in the market because of the supply-demand. Um, the, the landlords have very little competition, and, and it creates the distortions. Matt Brannigan says, the glass floor in the CN Tower gave me the willies. Yeah, there was a there's a glass floor in the elevator. I just I glanced at it and I saw it and I just like don't look down, don't look down. I just look straight. Um, yeah, that's an incredible place. And there, when we were waiting to go up the elevator, you have to walk through this, you know, maze of velvet rope areas, and they show photos. And there are people that you can wear like this. I don't know what you call it. It's like a parachute suit or something, and you. You strap yourself in and you can connect to this railing on the very top of the CN Tower and you can walk outdoors with no railing around the edge because you're cabled in. I wouldn't do that in a million years. Um, You know, there's another one that has a crazy glass floor that's really, really high is the Pyramid in Memphis. It's it's now a... um, uh, what do they call that? Uh, it's a, what do they call it? It's, the, it's a bait and tackle store. It's a really famous one. Um, but uh, you go up there to the very top of the pyramid in Memphis, which is a great view. And you got a view of the Mississippi River and everything else. Uh, and there's a really nice bar up there. But you go out on the deck and, yeah, it's a glass, it's a glass floor and it's, it's creepy. Um, and DC52 says, and yet building vehicle blocks – out of the best part of living here, the sun. Yeah. See, that's the thing, man, is now when you go vertical, people complain about the view. And we're seeing that in Poway as well. People upset about, you know, because we're now allowing, oh my God, three and four story buildings on Poway Road, which out here is like revolutionary. Um and there are people that are legitimately upset that it blocks their view of the hills when they're driving by. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm sure in 1942, when Poway was a one-stop sign, one-horse town, people were probably upset when they built homes in vacant lots. You know, progress is difficult. There's always change. And there's always trade-offs. There's no utopia. So if you're going to increase supply to try to balance the market and you have limited real estate, limited, you know, dirt to build on, then, yeah, you're going to have to go vertical. And I, I think that's logical. I think that makes sense. I think that's the right thing to do. Will it block people's views? Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, but you know, the deal is, is that people can move, people can walk, people can drive, people can go to where the views are. You're not guaranteed a view. Um, okay. And Mike Devine says, yeah, Alec Baldwin shot someone with his sweaty balls. That's who I was trying to think of was Alec Baldwin. Um, when we were trying to figure out 
the guy that was involved because I was about to the Saturday Night Live skits. So I've got to go back up and look up the Amazon Fresh episode. Okay, we're at an hour and 54 minutes. I'm having a great time with y'all, but um, I think we've gone long enough. Okay, so let me break it all down for you here. Um, a couple of things before we close this out. Um, number one, if you are interested in supporting the podcast, if if you enjoy what you're getting, you want to be a supporter, maybe you want to be a monthly contributor, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There's a button there you can donate. If I'm providing value to you, if you feel like you want to provide value to me, it's entirely voluntary. But if you want to support me and, and what I'm doing and encourage me to do more of it, you know, Consider making a donation, and I would be most thankful. Um, I also have a couple of e-commerce stores, if you're interested, um, that I use to support the podcast. One of them is happiness76.com, which is a store that I set up in, in Shopify that I, I'm trying to build more products there. But they're products that are consistent with the ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, so uh, there are some kind of T-shirts that are more political, some T-shirts that are more about cars or baseball or different things. So check it out, Happiness 76. I'm going to make some more product there. It's all kind of print-on-demand um, clothing and accessories. And I have a similar store called PowwayStore.com. And I've got some T-shirts and some fun things there uh, if you're interested in Poway gear. So you can check that out. A um, couple more things here on the live stream. I'll, I'm going to get everyone in. I know this is Matt Brannigan. I know a lot of people find high-rise buildings dreadful. But I find them really exciting, much better than endless suburban single-story sprawl. Here's a story. Uh, about four years ago, my daughter um, competed in a half Ironman triathlon in Whistler in British Columbia. And we went up there for the the, um, the event, and it was spectacular. And I'm really proud of my daughter and what she was able to accomplish. And oh, by the way, like... A year later, she actually did a full Ironman triathlon in Santa Rosa, which is incredible. Um, I, I mean, a full Ironman, she, it was like a, you had to run a marathon at the end. And, and then you had to bike, I think, 112 miles. And then the swimming was, I don't know, four miles or something like that. Well, anyways, this was a half Ironman. So everything was cut in half. And it was in Whistler. So we, we went to that event. It was a spectacular, wonderful event, beautiful area. And it was in the summer. It's a ski area. It was in the summer. It was hotter than hell. Then when we were done, we went into Vancouver. And I've never been to Vancouver, British Columbia, but boy, what a great city that is. Felt a lot like San Francisco. Had a very similar vibe. And we stayed in a high rise. We had an Airbnb in a high rise. And we were probably on the, I don't know, the 12th floor of maybe a 20-story building, something like that. It was really cool. I mean, we had a nice view from the apartment. Granted, we, there are other high-rises, so you don't have a 360-degree view. There are views that are blocked, but it was still neat being up above everything. And it was a modern apartment. It was really cool. I really liked it. Um, I think, well, of course, there are high-rise buildings that are crap, I mean, that are dreadful. But uh, I, I just think the whole idea of new construction, modern, new uh, buildings, I think is great. New opportunity, um, new people experiencing better quality of life. I think it's all good. Uh, I'm very supportive of it. Uh, Matthew Brannigan says, uh, many thanks, John. Take care. And thank you, Matt, for being such a great supporter. I appreciate you. Uh, DC52 says, the most untapped real estate are roof decks. 
I think together we could figure out a lot of these issues out, and I'm eternally grateful for this discourse. Awesome. Well, thank you, DC52. I appreciate your discourse. You know, rooftops, there's a lot that can be done with rooftops. I mean, those could be gardens. Um, those could be parks. Um, those could be commercial property, bars and restaurants. Um, those could be solar farms. Um, those could be very creative housing. I mean, imagine putting, you know, a bunch of tiny homes on a rooftop of a high rise. That'd be pretty cool too. I mean, there's a lot of creative things that could be done, but so often those, those ideas are illegal. They're, they're not allowed. And it's usually under the guise of safety, but it rarely is. It's usually to protect someone's financial interest. Always follow the money. Always follow the money. Uh, Matt Brannigan says, um, the last thing I'll say is Christine McVie, rest in peace. What an amazing talent. Yeah. Uh, love Fleetwood Mac. And you know what's funny is um, when I'm working from home, we talked a lot about working from home. I will always stream music when I am in a mode where that's kind of working with the flow of my work. And over the last like four to five years, I've been just really reconnecting with my youth as, and the music that I enjoyed when I was in elementary school and middle school and a little bit of high school. But it was mostly the, the, what is now known as Yacht Rock. And, you know, on my Sirius XM in my car, sometimes one of the stations is all Yacht Rock. And then I find Yacht Rock um, on streaming on Pandora. Um, my daughter gets on my case and says, who uses Pandora? You should be on Spotify. I should. Um, but uh, I, listen to, I listen to soft rock. Like, you know, it's great background music when you're working. And it feels good because it brings good vibes. And boy, a lot of Fleetwood Mac, man. And I dig it. And, you know, there was a period of time like with with certain bands like Fleetwood Mac, like the Eagles, like, oh, my God, the Doobie Brothers, where they were played so much in that 70s and early 80s, like Boston. Oh, my God. Um, some of those songs I heard so many times that I would just get sick and tired of them. But now they sound fresh again. Now they sound appealing again. Fleetwood Mac is sort of like that, but to a lesser degree. Fleetwood Mac has always been at a high quality all the time. Other bands went through those tired periods. And then I think due to circumstances, life events, whatever, became real again, became fresh again, had good energy again. And Fleetwood Mac has always been good, always. Um, and I love seeing how even today's culture, they're embracing it. What was, what was the song um, that it was a dude, it was a popular video that was on TikTok. And it was a dude on a skateboard with a, one of those selfie sticks. And he was cruising and had like a bottle of orange juice in his hand. And the selfie stick in the other, and he was going down the street, some Latino guy, and was with the music of a Fleetwood Mac song. And it was fantastic. It was just so great. Um, was it Dreams? I think it might have been the song. Um, I remember Bill Clinton embraced uh, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow um, in his 1992 campaign. 
I remember hearing that. Funny when you get into songs and politicians and which ones are allowed and how they get all angry. Um, but yeah, rip on uh, Christine McVie. And by the way, if you really like Fleetwood Mac, look up the band Fleetwood Max, M-A-X. Now, there, there are a couple of – this is a Fleetwood Mac tribute band. And there are a number of Fleetwood Max bands. Like if you go to FleetwoodMax.com, it's some other Fleetwood Mac tribute band somewhere else in America. But there is a local San Diego Fleetwood Max, and they're really good. And, you know, I tell you, the, the keyboard player is a person I know that I used to play music with a long time ago. Her name is Annie, and she plays the Christine McVie character. And they play a lot like at wineries and, and, and some of these sort of hotels that have an outdoor bar and lounge. Um, and uh, I, if you like Fleetwood Mac, I'd encourage you to go check them out. Um, DC 52 says sky's the limit as long as it's under 30 feet. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, we're going to be doing another podcast Thursday at three with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. It'll be all San Diego sports. We'll be talking about the world cup games. We'll be talking about Padres, Dodgers, Chargers, Rams, NFL, NBA, Aztec football, Aztec basketball. If you're into sports, look up Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, the legendary Sports talk host, the former play-by-play man of the San Diego Chargers. And we, do a, we do a weekly podcast here in the John Riley Project podcast studio. That's every Thursday at 3. It's not on the John Riley Project podcast platform. It's on the Lee Hacksaw Hamilton podcast platform, on his Facebook, his YouTube, his Twitter, and, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check that out. I'm sort of like the producer, co-host, I push the buttons and get the graphics up and I chime in a little bit. I'm mostly his wingman. Um, It's his show. Um, So that's tomorrow at three. We do that every Thursday at three as much as we can, barring any conflicts with our personal schedule. Last week when I was in Tennessee, we did sort of a remote one. And we typically will do it just like this with a fans forum and people can chime in. And then also... um, I'm, if you like this format, and it seems like those that were watching today enjoyed this, this sort of San Diego news format um, with headlines around the county, and we'll kind of go through them, boom, boom, boom. And granted, I did 14 topics tonight, which is too many. Maybe I'll cut it in half, seven, the top seven, top eight, and then open it up to the fans forum or the community forum. And I think this is a format that can work. You know, in the past, I've usually sort of picked broader topics and have kind of gone on and on and on about certain topics. Uh, I think this might be a little bit better, a little more punchy, give us a lot more topics to discuss. And I think we can have some fun with this. So I'm going to try this. I, um, I was doing this podcast every Tuesday at 7. I'm going to still keep my Tuesdays at 7, ideally for guests. And I'm going to try to do this on Wednesdays at 7. And if this is going well, I'll start adding more days. So maybe we'll do this twice a week or, you know, maybe even more than that if this really picks up. So it's all in the numbers. Um, So I'll follow that and we'll see how it goes. And, oh, by the way, um, Thursday, December 6th, Padres Hall of Fame broadcaster Ted Leitner is going to be here in the John Riley Project studio. He'll be sitting here, right? Well, I'll be in that chair. Ted will be in this chair. And we'll talk all about his career um, in San Diego. As a, you know, he was on KG, 
was it KGTV or KFMB? I think it was on Channel 10. KGTV, Channel 10. Um, but really, his 40 years um, doing uh, play-by-play for the Padres, his relationship with the Colonel Jerry Coleman, um, and the stories that he has about Junior Seau and Kurt Bavacqua and the Padres and the Chargers and the Aztecs. We'll talk about his induction into the Padres Hall of Fame um, and some of the stories. I mean, I read his book, Ted Talks, great book. I mean, just so many amazing stories of a guy that is really an icon in San Diego media, San Diego sports media. Um, just really honored to have him. And geez, I'm going to have Ted Leitner as a guest. I'm doing the podcast with Hacksaw. A lot of fun doing this podcast. I'm enjoying it. Hope you are too. Okay, friends, two hours and seven minutes. That's long enough. Have a great day. Um, Tomorrow is December. And here we go. Holiday season is upon us. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.